Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. Millions of us have moved to work primarily at home, and I'm talking about those who are fortunate enough to work in this environment. And in my career, I did it very early. The company I was with in the early 1990s actually got us to all work at home. So I was used to it for a part of my career. But then later, as I moved up the corporate ladder and took corporate leadership roles and eventually CEO, I moved to an office environment. But I have always had a flexibility and understanding and high productivity in working at home. But many people do not do that and they struggle with it. It is a very big adjustment to move to work at home, especially, and I've learned this too in recent days, if it is exclusively or mostly at home. So life is blended. You know, we work, we go home. And it used to be nine to five kind of jobs. And then there were times when you had to work late. But the idea was you got all your work done, you went home, work was left in the office, work was left wherever you worked, and then you went home and you were home. And that wall was very solid. Technology started to blend those things, started to make those things cross. So your work life, we always talk about work would follow you home. Work seems to never stop. You seem to get messages and answering. But the reverse is also true. I remind people, home also invades work. So family members may be sending you a text or sending you something and want an immediate response when you're at work. So it's not always people complain about it coming that, that way, but it actually goes both ways. Well, now, as people are working at home by the millions, they have really just put this whole thing in the blender, shook it all up, and everything is blended in a new way that people are uh, experiencing. So there are unique challenges that each person has. It may be whether you're an individual contributor, a manager, whether you're leading a project, whether you have a team, whether you're executives. Everybody has a different set of different uh, requirements and priorities and struggles that they're facing from this new environment. So let's just jump right into it. We have our panel with us. Drew Bordas is here. Those of you who've listened to this podcast may know Drew's voice, I think. Maybe. And if not, they'll have to rewind and listen to all of the podcasts. The smooth sounds of Drew Bordas's voice. Oh, my word. <laughs> <laughs> I think like we need a musical interlude right now, <laughs> maybe a little ocean waves. And we also have Tammy Spade. Tammy, also you will recognize from all of our podcasts. And we have a limited number of people here. We usually have another guest on, don't we, Tammy? But now yes. we're so socially spaced. Right. Like you're way down there. Yeah. This is a massive room we're in, we should tell people. So yes. we are we are being very very safe. And Kerry, of course, is engineering the whole thing with his expertise. And he is three miles away and with a mask and doing very, very well at it. So uh, thank you, Kerry. So let's just jump right into it. What are the best parts, the best parts of what you found so far about working and leading from home? Dress code, by far the best. I may never wear a collared shirt again. In fact, I burnt them all for warmth the other day. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Dress code. Dress code. Well, it, it is. Do we have a dress code? If you're in the office, do you have a dress code? 
Yeah. It's I, unwritten, right? It, well, I think. I guess I don't, we do I don't read any one. of Tammy's policies. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, I actually thought about it coming in today. Um, I almost put on a collared shirt, and I thought, why? 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 It's just Skip and Tammy. What am I doing? Um, but, you know, when, when you can— It's too late to impress us. Right, exactly. Yeah, and I've had—I have had I've had, I have a collared shirt on now, yeah. but all week long I haven't. So right. there you go. And you've been just as effective. And I've been here— in the office, but the point is nobody else is. Right. So who are we dressing up for? What are we? What are we doing that for? Um, so I think that's interesting, right? Because we're all we're all on the video. Some people are, you know, in hats and t-shirts, and it's fine. It's fine. So I, I think, think Silicon Valley learned that right. long ago, didn't they? But um, I don't know. I think there's some charm to uh, to dressing up uh, occasionally, but maybe dress up days or something. Didn't we do like tie Tuesday? I was just thinking of that this morning, actually. Yes, at a at a former company, because uh, one of our colleagues had a had a, a you know a closet full of ties. He never got to wear it. Anymore. Oh, is that how it started? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. good. Okay, I was just yeah. remembering the picture. No, no, not that. Tammy, I, how about you? I knew a team on the dress code um, piece that decided they would do dress-up Fridays. You know how in many offices it's dressed down on Friday? Well, they did dress-up Fridays as they moved to remote work. But the best part for me is uh, the commute. <laughs> yeah. The commute from the bedroom to the kitchen area. Yes. Um, there's a bad part to being near the kitchen, which we can talk about. <laughs> well, you know, I find the reverse. Yeah. That, and, and I've done this my whole career, so I'm used to it. Having just a little bit of a, of a commute is important. So one of the tips that I learned long ago in the 90s was I would put myself mentally somewhere to do a transition because I'm very high energy, high drive, I'm going, I'm going. And then before I get into the family, I need a little bit of a transition, right? Maybe a song, maybe something, maybe listening to a brilliant podcast like this one. Over and over. Why are you laughing? Tammy's <laughs> laughing. She's holding I'm, it in. I'm just thinking how much your family might need a transition. They, they need the transition too. <laughs> yeah. They do. They need it. But how about the worst parts? What are the, what are the worst parts about working at home? Well, uh, honestly, I, I joked about being near the kitchen. Um, worst, I mean, is it terrible? No. I'm grateful to have you know plenty of food. But between trying to mix it up and order out and then cooking and, and being right there next to the kitchen, it's very easy to munch all day long. It's very easy to have leftovers that you would not normally be having at lunchtime. Um, so yeah, I'm thinking that any investment in a weight loss company after the pandemic is over for those people who've been working at home might be a good investment. Yeah. I, I am missing um, just people interaction, just casual Hey, how you doing? Nice to see you. Well, how's the weather? I mean, just just casual interactions with lots of different people throughout the building. I'm really missing that. Yeah, so it is it is a harder part about working at home because you you just don't do that, especially people that you don't have on your list that you right. have to talk to, but it just benefits you in your decision making and I find gives you the nuanced view, gives you the Oh, I didn't realize that about this issue, and I I just ran into somebody, and it gave me a new perspective. And you don't have that. And even if it's not even work related, like I just like that person. I like to say hi to them. I think they're nice. I think they're funny. Like I mean, things like that. Just um, just really missing that. Yeah, I, I find literally as a CEO, most people think that the CEOs get everything so filtered that. It's completely irrational. And to some degree, some of that's true, and some of that's actually necessary. That could be a whole different episode. Mm -hmm. 
But what gives you an unfettered view and a view into it, right, as an executive, as a CEO, is, is those casual interactions where all of a sudden you're hearing directly, you're not reading it, you're looking at the person, you can ask a little bit more, tell me a little bit more about that. And it really helps to inform you of the sentiment, how people are feeling, et cetera, that just does get lost and beaten out of uh, things in a in a chain of hierarchy. By the way, again, sometimes that is a beautiful thing. I've learned not to fight it. Sometimes there's goodness to the hierarchy, but I will leave that aside. So, Drew, you didn't pick up on Tammy's comment of the food uh, situation. So, is that because you only eat carrot sticks and hummus, or what? What is? Oh the... yeah, my my body is a temple. So yeah. yeah, so that's just a unique thing to Tammy. <laughs> yeah. So Tammy, you're you're the only one struggling with yes, that. Yes, clearly, clearly. <laughs> I, I need more self-control. I, I must say that I have been working at, at home part of the time and then in the office as well. I have to come in and fortunately, we have a very large office and it's empty. So I, I'm not worried about being too proximate to people, et cetera. But I did notice yesterday at the front desk, somebody had made a whole bunch of cookies and I had to resist that as well because it may be at home where it's a temptation, Tammy, but it, it also is here in the office. It, it is here. True. So I don't, I don't know if that's unique to being at home or you just like your own cooking better or what that is. But we have that temptation everywhere here in the office. But your mindset might be different, right? When I'm in the office, there's something about I'm working, I'm not. I'm not grazing by my fridge. Or, and, That's but, true. But then all of a sudden, maybe Saturday, Sunday, you are. And now every day is the same. Every day That's exactly same. it. My patterns have completely right. been shifted. It's, it's the pattern. And even though I said I like the commute, that's one of the best things. And it generally is. When I have been in the office and it's been rare and I've been distanced, et cetera, I have been almost giddy getting into the car because there were things I did as a pattern listening to a podcast, listening mm-hmm. to you know something else, or even just listening to music and singing on the way into the office. It was that prep time and then maybe decompression time, that transition time that you were talking about, Skip. And I really don't tend to do that at home. It's just sort of straight in. I feel like I'm probably working even more oh, yeah, without the without the divide between yes. the two. It just it just you have to be really purposeful about it. It just doesn't happen otherwise. I will say that for those of you who don't know Tammy and Drew's driving skills, it's a benefit right now that you're working from home when they're here <laughs> in the office. So how about uh, what things you have noticed to watch out for? So you're at home, you're leading a team. What things would you watch out for? I will start by sharing a few things that I will watch out for. And I've known these again because the company I was with decades ago we kind of learned these things on conference calls. This was before video calls, uh, obviously, but certainly by the late 90s, you know, you'd have internet and email and all of that, but you wouldn't have people online. But a couple things I've noticed. People in leading teams need to know how to use their video. So routine mistake that people make is they put their laptop below them. And then we basically have a camera going up their nose. (laughs) And it's a rookie mistake. Put some books underneath of your laptop and raise it up, I tell people. So these are tips I've learned. Uh, Or screaming, right? Kids are screaming in the background. Dogs are going nuts or whatever. That's fine. And by the way, I think people have a lot more grace and understanding and 
they just get it. You know, John Baldoni, my friend, he wrote a book called Grace. He would love it, right? You have there's more grace going on right now in leadership. But at the same time, the tip I would have is there's a mute button. Use it. People don't use the mute button. Just just mute, right? So if you cough, mute, cough, right? It's it's okay. Um, don't cough into my ear. Just a hint. So what what other things have you noticed that you should watch out for? with your team. Well, the counter to the mute button is remember to unmute. <laughs> uh, and know. they go on and I know. On and I've and done on. it too. I'm just in the flow. I've muted and then I I answer a question. You're you're in the flow, you're not thinking and someone's going you're mute, you're you're on mute. So yeah, unmute. And you've lost the brilliance of the point. Of course. I mean, you can never get that back. <laughs> um the other thing that I think um I had to think through initially and probably most people have is it's not it's not business as usual except remote. It's really a different way of interacting, planning, meetings. We have a group that's working on customer events. And some people started out with, oh, okay, we'll just do the event online. Well, if you've been in bigger events and you're watching someone do a presentation and they're using maybe a lot of PowerPoint, it might be not the most engaging thing, but there's a lot going on around you. Try doing that for a long period of time, just transferring that to a remote platform. It doesn't work at all. So a big learning has been it's not business as usual, except it's remote. It's it's really a different way of doing business. And so, so true. I People think just move the thing online. It is not that way. You can see, and I think there's going to be a big step toward improving skills in this area because running an online event and maximizing its usage and keeping people in the attention spans that we have is very different. Very, very different. By the way, a little side note. I have noticed people's attention spans going up, going up. It's unique because you're forced to actually watch and listen to the person. It's harder to multitask. And you're listening more intently for a longer period of time than you may otherwise. I think it's testing that theory that we've been going down less than the goldfish in attention span, which is not a correct fact, by the way, for all the speakers who use it all the time. Funny, but not correct. And it is reversing just a little bit. So what about managing remote teams as a leader? What are some of the best practices that you have been finding in terms of, here's a good practice I have for managing my remote team? You know, we transitioned, I'm just speaking for my team, pretty easily, I think, but thank goodness we had a good a good rapport already established. So I mean, our meetings around the table, you know, blending in and out of personal talks, funny, whatever, work, back to you know, this, it just moved online quickly. So if I was building a new team, I think that would be totally different. I, I really not impossible, but gosh, I think it would be much tougher in this environment. Yeah, I think having the foundation of a relationship already made transitioning to um, interacting remotely much, much easier. Yes. I think if you had, and, and we have had today, for example, um, I went into the office, in the office now, completely spaced, and there was a person who came by. Um, she's probably worked here for 25 or 30 years. She made the decision to retire and move to another part of the country to be near a grandchild long before all of this, but this was her last day. And she said, it's just surreal. I feel badly for her because that oh, yeah. that 
opportunity to, you know, put a bow on this part of her life and for other people to say goodbye to her. Like the graduations. Like the graduations. We have a senior in high school in our house and, you know, they're still trying to figure out, are we going to do it in July or are we not going to do it? It's that need to kind of transition and have that ending and beginning is difficult. So I think when the team is intact and it's a technologically comfortable team and you've got good technology, it's been a pretty seamless, Mm -hmm. um, pretty seamless transition. But if you had new people on the team or you've got large groups and there's a lot of conversation going on, I think that's the other thing that's a little bit tough sometimes that we've learned is if you have a big group, use that you know, hand raising technology or whatever it is that the platform offers so that people aren't talking over each other and missing each other. And you're trying to figure out who's even speaking. Oh, yeah. Something our team just just observed this week. I forget what the, what it was exactly, but it was we're missing the helpful side comments in a meeting. And I don't mean the rude ones where you're having a different conversation. I just mean where you can see across the table from somebody's face, oh, you're not getting it or you're thinking about something different. Let me tell you real quick, we're back on the same page, good to go. I know you can do that through chatting and messaging and all that, but we're not used to that. So that quick interaction, get somebody back on the same page, is gone. And that um, that's, in, that's interesting. I, I don't know what to do with it yet, but um, that just came up this week. Yeah, I know somebody who I talked to this morning who is taking a new job and will be leading a new team and is having to face how do I – build a relationship in this environment. And again, I think people will have more grace with it than ever before, but very difficult because shortcuts that we use if we've worked, we've worked together for years and we can shortcut communication and understanding Mm -hmm. we have positive intent. If somebody sends something, you go, oh, I know that it doesn't, you know, it sounds rude, but Mm -hmm. it's not rude or it sounds great and it might not be, or is this sarcastic? Like, you know, the person and you can look past it Whereas if you're brand new, I can't imagine, like you were saying, how hard that yeah. would be to just establish those relations. It is possible. I mean, obviously it's possible. It's just much more difficult. Let's segue and talk about mistakes. What are some, I love mistakes. What are some of the pitfalls that long distance leaders make? So I asked Kevin Eikenberry this. My friend Kevin is CEO of the Eikenberry Group. Now that makes sense if you're Kevin Eikenberry to be the CEO of the group, I would think. It would be odd if somebody else was, but I guess that could happen if he gets demoted. So, Kevin, if you're listening to this, we're not going to let you get demoted. But he wrote a book on it. He wrote a book, and I interviewed him on his book, which is called The Long Distance Leader, Rules for Remarkable Remote Leadership. So perfect timing for his book. And he says two of the biggest mistakes people make, he told me, were this. He said – Worrying that you don't know what team members are doing is a mistake. And the second, he said, is this was this was big for me, assuming that they are getting what they need. Right. Because, oh, I'm not hearing from them. They must be getting what they need. He said that is a big mistake because you're assuming that and you should check in, be deliberate, especially based on their personality and those kind of things, whether or not they feel comfortable surfacing. Are you getting what you need? Oftentimes just asking how are you doing? Right? We do that, but we leave it there. Are you getting everything that you need in order to be most effective? And we don't always take it to that next level. Especially Very, when it's different from what you may need. It, yeah. And, and it is, point, right? right? It is. Yeah, always. We, we think this way. So, Drew, we were talking about that yeah. you know, recently where you're like, well, I don't need that because I have this, that, and the other. And it's like, 
No, you don't. But that person, the does. other person, <laughs> needs it. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> other Which, people, we, yeah, other people. <laughs> but you would think about that more if you saw the person, right. and you can read body language. But if you're not, it's out of sight, out of mind. So that deliberate check-in. So, what others would you add of either mistakes or pitfalls or just things to watch out for as a remote leader? What would you add to that list? Well, we've already referenced one, and that is just thinking you can port what you're doing in person into a virtual environment. The, the other thing that I think is, and I don't know if it's around what you're saying, Skip, but clarifying messages, not making the mistake that even if you have a working relationship with someone that you understand the message. I, I had a conversation with someone yesterday. It was at the end of a day, end of a longer day. And it was a conversation that probably should have happened over video and ended up happening over an audio call. And it was feedback that wasn't easy to, to hear or give. And it just, the conversation just didn't go well. And I think it, it's important to say, wait a minute, this is important. We should probably set aside time to talk about this tomorrow when we can get on a video call together and not assume that just because we can't be in person that, you know, we can just take shortcuts in communication. Mm. Good one. That's a good, that's a good ad. Yeah, I think there's also a there can be a temptation to for good intent, right? I want to be more connected to the team, more visible, more check in on everybody, to all of a sudden start getting into meetings or sessions or or that's not your job. That you shouldn't be in it. You could you could disrupt it actually as the leader. And so really keeping that boundary of, okay, yeah, I could get into that meeting and say hi to the team and all that, and all of a sudden my direct report has been undermined accidentally, you know? I mean, so just right. really keeping that boundary in place. Unintentional yeah. consequences. Yeah. Another mistake I've seen is is what I'll call the overkill mistake, where someone is being asked to do something in this environment that isn't something that they, it's in their normal area, but it's not something they've done before. And because they're not sure how to approach it and they're uncomfortable and they can't get in a room, they schedule a video call with 14 people. Ugh. And all those people don't need to be there. They're doing it so they get some comfort with getting a variety of perspectives, but it's not a good use of, of the time of the group. I've seen that in a couple cases where I thought, wow, why are there so many people on this call when really it's three or four of the people that need to be at this point? And is your assessment that that would be different than the physical meetings? Because I walk into a physical room often and think there's seven people that shouldn't be here. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes that's true. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Everybody's shifting. Mm -hmm. how, how do you maintain a corporate or organizational culture even when working remotely? I think communication is absolutely vital. Two-way communication, you've done this a lot, Skip, videos, written notes, newsletters, social media, internal you know, sites, internet sites or internal social media sites. You have to continue to nurture and share messages that are that are supportive of the values and supportive of what's happening in the culture. I think maintaining, because you know you're, you're maintaining a culture, right? Whatever worked for your team before, try to be creative and keep that going. So if you did an eight thirty in the morning coffee stand up, then do your eight thirty in the morning coffee stand up, and I'll have coffee. And if you talked about your family or TV show last night, then do that. Keep that stuff going. Don't let it go away just because we're all remote and on video now. That's good. Keep the best parts of what you were doing going forward. And then 
you're saying, Tammy, enhance the communication. Yeah. So whatever. Yes. So it's interesting. Keep some of those things going, and then others turn it up a little bit because it's it's different, and people need to probably even more at the initial stages mm, than definitely. than ever before. I think think that's good, and we'll add Kevin's making sure that you check in and see are people getting what they need because I really like that. Worrying you don't know what those members are doing, that that's a mixed bag uh, when I saw Kevin saying that, because sometimes you do need to know what they're doing, but I understand his sentiment. You don't want to be overly focused on this. Well, we had a guest post. It was a terrific guest post on my blog by Andy Bush, who is the executive director for U.S. Library Services at OCLC. And he wrote a post called Remotely Helpful Tips. And after that note came out, after that blog post, we got some questions that came into the blog and at various times. And they sit in a folder and I'm pulling them out. And so I'm going to read you some of these notes. Uh, Skip, I have an employee's husband who just tested positive for COVID-19. By the way, this is not at our company. So it's not related to Andy Bush in any way, but because normally I don't know, but I know who wrote this and it's a person in another state. Skip, I have an employee's husband just tested positive for COVID-19. I don't know how I should handle it. Any advice on what to say and do? Well, I don't think it's something you want to hide. I mean, it's it's fine to be open and honest about it and say we're doing everything we can to get that person the appropriate amount of treatment and, and distancing and quarantine and whatever, you know, whatever the doctors say is the right thing to do. Yeah, and I, I would say, what what would you do in the situation where that same employee said to you that their husband or, you know, another family member had just been diagnosed with cancer or, you know, was sick in some other way or had some other event happen? All the things that you would normally do, reaching out to them, sending something to their home, letting them know that you support them taking whatever time they need, making sure that they have good resources in place, giving them benefits information, giving them leave information, all the things that you would normally do, I think, still are at play here. I think part of the sentiment here is we're all working from home. I don't know how to deal with this probably even if we weren't at home because this is a pandemic and it's scary, et cetera. So you have that kind of concern that's coming through in in the note and then add to it it's now remote and what should I say? And, you know, so you have all of those normal things of a new manager going, you know, how do I handle this anyway? Mm -hmm. And maybe, you know, in a larger company, and this person is in a larger company, you don't have perhaps the same access to drop by your human resources leaders and et cetera. So it's, it's just maybe a, a more challenging time to navigate through all of that Mm -hmm. as a, as a new, as a new leader. But yeah, the best practices I, to me, First, and, and you hit on this, is just show you're a person. Mm-hmm. Show that you care. And you know, whenever somebody goes through a health crisis or anything else, if the manager immediately turns into, well, I need you to make sure that you get this done and that done, and isn't listening to what the issue is, then that is a bad manager. Yes. Right? Like, first, listen to what the person mm-hmm. says. Take care of them. Right. And the work has to be put aside if if something is like that. I think that is there. So- Here's one that will, based on our prior conversation, will definitely ring with you, Drew. How are people juggling being a stay-at-home teacher while still working? I am exhausted. I try to do my work late at night, but I drag the whole day. Feels like I am not being my best for anyone. Alcohol? Sound familiar? (laughs) I mean, you got to do what you got to do, man. Everybody's trying to survive right now. That's what we're doing. 
Uh, Alcohol? (laughs) (laughs) How are you balancing working and being a home teacher? You mentioned that earlier. It's tough. I mean, it's really, especially we're finding for our elementary school age children, it's the toughest um, because they just cannot be as self-sufficient as say our eighth grader. You know, she, she needs very little help from us. It's not a big deal. Um, Our fifth grader and our second grader cannot just fire up a laptop and do their work all day. And the teachers aren't prepared for this either. So the teachers are really doing a lot of a lot of uh, trial and error at the same time, and I, you know, hats off to them. But um, we're balancing it by you know my wife and I tag teaming on what we're good at, not good at. Fortunately, the schedule's thrown out the window. So if we're doing math at seven o'clock at night, fine. It's fine. If yeah. we're doing it at lunchtime, fine. We're just trying to get through it. Yeah, I think this sentiment here that really I picked up on this feels like I am not being my best for anyone. Right, just that constant stress of, and this is a situation where they're trying to teach young children. I don't know the age, but it could be anything. We're all stretched. We're doing things harder beyond. We're managing things. We're worried about elderly relatives or the neighbor who needs help or toilet paper shortages. I think the thing that Kennington and I said to each other, my wife, was at the very beginning, we are not going to replace their teachers. We're not going to turn into an elementary school teacher overnight. We can't. So we're going to do our best to get this done, and that's going to be good enough. Yeah, my my heart goes out to people in this situation because you're thrust into it. You're not necessarily prepared for it. It's unrelenting because you're there. It's not going to change next week. Now, certainly there will be a change coming up, but it's probably going to go right into summer at this point, and summer camps might be... Um, canceled. And so I think this is going to be a longer term issue for us to help people deal with. You can hear the exhaustion and the feeling that they can't be, you know, good as a family member. They can't be good enough as a teacher. They're not being a good enough parent because they're trying to be the teacher at the same time and the principal and the assistant principal. And we all know those are different roles. And then, you know, just being a spouse. And I was on a call this past week with someone who's an incredibly, incredibly, um, committed person. Three kids at home, similar ages to yours, Drew. Husband's a police officer. He's gone most of the time, really, really struggling. And one of the things that I think helped her was just to say, okay, you know, what are the support systems that you have around you? And she had some family support systems. Can you just take two or three days of vacation or even take a day or two a week and readjust your schedule so you're not trying to do all of this every single day. And the other thing I'd say is if an assignment is missed for a third grader or they get a B rather than an A or they don't even get to turn it in, the college examination board is not going to care. Right. <laughs> and that, that perspective is really important. And, and, you know, thank goodness, you know, we've talked about grace a lot in these podcasts Teachers in schools are showing a lot of grace right now. They they, they understand um, painfully well. Just chill out, do your best. And they're doing it too. Yesterday, I, we have a high school senior. He obviously self-sufficient, but he has one teacher who has four young kids at home, and um, she has a spouse who's still working outside the home. And toward the end of the call, her two-year-old climbed on her lap and started to take her glasses off her face and put them on her own little toddler face, and then she started to grab the mic. And I mean, it was hilarious, absolutely hilarious. And the teacher handled it incredibly well and just said, you know, say goodbye to the kids, you know, ended the call. So, yeah, I hear that frustration. You see all this juggling, you see all the things going on. And I just remind people that this will pass. We aren't meant to be doing all things. 
The reason why we have people who are experts is to rely on their expertise. And it's much harder when you go back to one, even one room schoolhouses way back when doing all the grades, right? That's hard to be that generalist. And I will give a shout out to Doug O'Brien. He wrote a book called Specialist Nation, a survival guide for America, where he argues that specialization is key to careers and being successful and success of the nation. And we have specialists for a reason. Not many people are generalists in all things where you can just put and wear every hat. So it's okay. It will pass. Just get through it. And like you said, just do your best. Do your best. Do your best and get through it. Well, one last letter that came in. My wife and I are both working at home, but we have a one-bedroom condo. We can't both be on a call at the same time without disturbing the other. One of us goes to the condo basement if it gets too bad. I'm picturing this. But we aren't supposed to be there. I don't know what that means. How long will this last? Any ideas what we can do? Well, I certainly can't answer how long it will last. I don't know how long lockdowns will last or how long you'll be in a one-bedroom condo or how long you'll be in your marriage in your condo. I don't know any of these things. These are all up to you and local health authorities and uh, et cetera. But I will say that there are some things that you can do. I was actually, uh, you know, in addition to this, somebody else wrote to me yesterday talking about bandwidth issues in their house. So if all these are all adults working and if all of them are on video calls all at once, all of a sudden they pixelate and they can't uh, get enough uh, juice going through the through the system. So that that's there. Again, I do think people have more grace for these situations as they are right now, but at the same time it is certainly a challenge. So what do you say to this person and spouse who are locked in a one bedroom condo? trying to work and disturbing each other. Sounds like there's more going on too, but this isn't a marriage counseling session. Yeah. I mean, get creative. One of you needs to sit in a closet or the bathroom or something. I mean, I've done I've done real calls within the last couple of weeks where one of my colleagues was in her daughter's bedroom closet. This is probably back to the parenting question because it was the only safe place in the house. She was hiding. So you don't have to be at the kitchen table. There's lots of places you can do a video call. Yeah, and you know, um, many of the platforms now have these backgrounds that oh, look yeah. like a professional office that you can just pull up, or you can blur your background. That takes care of the visual piece, the audio piece. You know, I, I would also say just try and, as proactively as you can, schedule things that are not going to overlap. But yeah, you might have to go into an less than desirable workspace for a period of time. Yeah, it sounds to me like there's some marital issues. I yeah, referenced yeah. earlier that uh, China is seeing a huge spike in Wuhan of divorces right. after this is over. Mm-hmm. And so I encourage you to get some good books on building a healthy relationship and marriage and look at other alternatives. Yeah. It's not always simply how you're working, but it's also the fundamental aspect here is the relationship. And so work first on that relationship, and usually these other things will – you'll figure them out. And whether you're in the basement of your condo building or not, you need to fix that relationship, in my opinion. I may be reading into the note more than it is, but I've seen people who are in much worse uh, working situations with more people, and they're able to do it. And so that's not meant to be discouraging to you, but work on that relationship. I think it is uh, between the lines something that you'd want to add to it. 
What would you say, Tammy? Would you agree? I would agree. Uh, use I this agree. as a conversation starter. If you're fully clothed, sitting in your bathtub for a call, people want to talk about that. <laughs> this, this is good stuff. Wearing a hat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, why, why are you here? Are you expecting a tornado? <laughs> yeah. Of sorts, if you yeah. met my child yes. is probably what the answer is. Well, thank you, panel. This is uh, a very difficult time, a time that people are learning to uh, work and lead at home and get over the pitfalls of long-distance leadership. And in fact, learning that you can actually build a strong team and maybe even emerge as a stronger team because of this experience. You might know more about each other. You might understand personal nuances and things people are challenged with, all because of the unfortunate situation that we're in. So you can use it in a way that will build and will protect and nurture that relationship or if you choose to, you can destroy it. And that really, I think, is a mindset and attitude. So these are different ways that you can be more effective in remote leadership. And remote leadership is definitely one way that you can learn to aim higher. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. And if you like what you hear, please rate us in iTunes. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre. Always aim higher. <laughs>